Hey, welcome to the Coaching Minds podcast, a free resource from Mental Training Plan where we help teams and individuals perform at their best through online and in-person training. We talk all the time about making a plan and putting it to work because just hoping, hoping that something's going to happen and you'll be able to perform at your best in those big moments isn't a strategy and it's not what high performing big time athletes do. So if you're looking for the tools to help you perform at your best on the field or in the boardroom, you've come to the right place. We've got some great stuff for you today. We are on the spot today. Ben's got some things to talk about. I've got some things to talk about. We have not discussed it. It went to seem to go well last time. We had good feedback from it. So let's get after it again today, Benny. Welcome to the Coaching Minds Podcast, helping you overcome obstacles so you can reach and achieve more. Here are your hosts, Ben and Zeke. Zeke, it's good to have you back. Ben, uh, you've had some other things going on for the last couple episodes, so appreciate you being here. a song here. that was written about uh, It's Been a While <laughs> by Bon Jovi. Yes, Yes, indeed. Hopping back in with on the spot number two. Um, we are actually we're recording this the day after elections, um, and so you know there's probably probably a good chance that some people are feeling positive about some things that happened. Some people are feeling negative or upset about some of the things that happened. Um, and that's sort of, that's sort of what I want to ask you about Zeke in, in episode number 59, Isaac runs a marathon. You said, and I quote, it was pretty smooth training. (laughs) And in my mind, from my perspective, like seeing you gushing blood every few days and icing and being injured and, you know, dealing with all of these things, um, which by the way, if anyone hasn't listened to episode number 59, I would highly encourage you to do that. Um, even if it was just the first 10 or 15 minutes to hear what all Isaac battled through, but you remained positive the whole way through. And that's without a doubt one of my favorite qualities about you. One of the reasons why I enjoy coaching with you so much, because you always, not only do you see the brighter side of things, um, but but you just you never have a "woe is me" attitude. Um, you're never the victim. You never you don't complain very often. Where where does that come from, and why the heck are you so positive? Uh, I thank you for all of that. And uh, just starting off with the with the with the marathon, I guess you know I didn't even realize. Kind of like you had said when you asked me about that when we went through that episode, and I was like, "Yeah, everything went well." And then you're like, "Well, what about this? And what about that?" And when you fell on that bridge twice, and there was all these cars that saw me, and then I slipped on that ice, and there was blood running down my leg. I was like, "Oh yeah, I guess I guess you're right. There were some times that." Um, didn't go so well, but um, overall, I felt like it went really smooth. And why? Um, why do I think that way, or how? How did I get to that? Uh, I don't know exactly. It's just kind of how you know. Always been wired of. Um, you know, I am on the Enneagram. For those of you that have inter- interest in the Enneagram, I'm a seven, so like I'm always looking for what's next, excited about what's to come. Um, I run, uh, or I shouldn't say run in this example, I flee and try to get away sometimes from stressful situations or things of that sort. And that can hurt me at times. Um, because there, as we know, it's important to, um, confront people or confront things when we have issues. Uh, and that, that's something that I'm not always great at. Uh, but in, as far as the, the positivity or trying to see the good in it, 
man, I just feel like so, so often, so long, um, I've always thought that focusing or, or giving much attention to the negative um, doesn't doesn't change the outcome. Doesn't doesn't make what happened any better. Uh, so what can I do for the future outcome or what's what what is to come? And being having a positive attitude um, helps that out way more than just a negative attitude. That makes me think about episode number 86 to the controlling your perception. Um, you know, I, I talked, I had a conversation about a, this topic actually with my dad and he said, you know, I've always just kind of told people that I've got a pretty good life and I've had a pretty easy life. And, you know, when you go back through and you look at some of the things that my parents have dealt with, um, my dad had a pretty, pretty rough go at things. You know, his mom was 16 years old. His dad was an alcoholic. Um, his, his mom, you know, single mom trying to raise him and some sisters. And, you know, there were some, some really tough times that my parents went through financially when they first got married, a, a business that went bankrupt, a, a spec home that they had purchased that, you know, nearly wiped out their entire retirement savings. Um, had a son that, you know, ended up having to go through rehab, had to battle through some drug addiction, had some, they had some marital problems of their own starting off early on. It's like, you know, he, he would say, he would tell you that getting caught up in any one of those situations, you know, in and of itself would be pretty terrible. Like there, there've been some awful things that he's gone through, but I, I think one of the people that really had a huge impact on him was my grandpa Clark. Um, who's when, when people would ask him, Hey, how's it going? And you know, everybody just says good. Doing good. Yeah. Doing fine. He, he would say grateful. And, and it, it was just, that was just sort of his attitude. And I know, you know, not having my dad, not having his own father around a whole bunch growing up, that was something that, or that, that was someone that he really, he really embraced, um, and, and tried to learn a lot from and tried to, you know, figure out what's it mean to really be a good dad from. And, you know, that, that was just, that was one of the pieces to it, I suppose. Um, you know, so having, having that perspective, having the choosing to look at the glass, half full, being grateful for things. Not, I mean, in in your mind, is there, is it hopeless for people don't naturally see the world like you do? No, I think that we have, we've talked before about fake it till you make it. Right. And, uh, if you, if you're like, man, I would like to view, have a worldview or, or think in that way of, of trying to see it, but I just can't. Well, you got to start somewhere. Like we always said, you got to make a plan, go put it to work. Maybe it's when you wake up, you're going to think of, of three or four little things that you're going to see um, in the, in the day. I've talked a bunch about the RAS reticular activation system. And basically what that can be is kind of setting your filter uh, for the day. And for a while uh, I was kind of doing some research with you, Ben on that on, on myself. And every morning I would wake up and just write down like, I want to see this today. I want to see if I can if I can find this in the day. And you could just set that as, you know, I want to find somebody talking positive to somebody else. 
I want to, I'm going to search out seeing, uh, if I can find someone that just did something nice for someone that out of nowhere that didn't benefit them, you're going to start seeing those things show up in your life because you set your RAS to think, uh, think about them and to see them and be on alert for them. Just like, you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with the RAS, uh, reticular activation system, basically what that is, is, you know, when you've bought a new car, and you're like, oh, I love this car. Not many people have it. And then for the next month, all what is that that you see? You just see that exact right. Jeep that you, you just it bought everywhere. or whatever it was. Uh, and that's because of your RAS was set and me- mentally you're, th- you're you're thinking about that, so you see more of it. Well, you know what? If you think about just constantly about how terrible the day is and how terrible um, American politics are and how bad this is and how you don't make much money and how people that you work with are this and that. That's all you're going to think about, and that's all that you're going to see. And so, I don't know. Part of I guess just my wiring is is to just see those good things. Um, and what I think really this took off. Um, this guy by the name of Farmer D. Um, Dennis is his name, and we he was my my college roommate's um, grandfather, and he brought us down to Arizona uh, for a spring break. Uh, when we were in college and we went down there, just your typical wild college spring break. We went to a retirement community and we played golf. Yes. Just what you think about when you're going on your college uh, spring break. And so when we were there, we obviously had a, a good time golfing. Uh, side side story, uh, this is when I kind of just started playing golf. Still not anything great, but I got there and... Uh, Nick, his his grandson is a really good golfer. Denny was a pretty good golfer, and on like the first first or second hole that we got, and we were playing every day for seven days. Like the first second hole after I hit, it, he's like, you know, hey, maybe Isaac will look into getting you some lessons while we're down here because he knew he was in <laughs> for a long week. I was shooting like one twenties; it was terrible. And so, anyhow, every night when we were there at, at their house. He used that time. He's like, hey, I got you guys here at my house, and I'm paying for all this stuff. You're going to sit down here and listen. And we went through um, all of this Zig Ziglar stuff. And uh, the book, the main book was See You at the Top. And he gave me that book. And I was like, you know, whatever. He had notes typed out that we talked through every day. Uh, you know, we'd write my, I'd write my name down, Isaac McGay, LLC. I am the owner of this company. What am I going to do with this company? And at the time, I was like, yeah, okay. like, you know, we're college kids, like whatever. And then when we flew home, I was looking over the book, uh, started to read the book, and then I just got hooked. Uh, I was in on Zig Ziglar, loved everything about him. And that's really what I think my mindset really started to change um, to what, think in that way. What year did you say this was? Uh, I would say it was probably 2012, 2011, somewhere around so there. So you were a... Uh, sophomore. Sophomore. Sophomore in college, I think. And the, the, the just to fit in with all of this, the one, the quote that kind of stuck out to me from, from Zig was, positive thinking won't let you do anything, but it'll let you do everything better than negative thinking will. And that just kind of stuck with me. Like, yeah, thinking negative is not going to make the situation better. Um, and positive situ- positive thinking is not going to solve anything or do it, but it's going to give me a better chance. Um, and so maybe that that's kind of 
you know, like you said, we're on the spot. I haven't thought about um, where this has come from. That's what's so good about it. Um, but that's kind of where it kind of all has grown. Um, and a lot of it has come from Zig Ziglar and then and just reading other books after that. Um, you know, maybe there was a time of kind of fake it till you make it. And I, I wasn't sure. And so I started thinking this way. And that's just continued on throughout. And I, I do think, you know, there's some there's some pushback on the fake it till you make it. There's like a whole there's a whole slew of psychologists and sports psychologists out there that that don't think that's a good idea. And and if there's listeners out there fall in this camp, I would love to discuss this with you. I you know I would call in, shoot us a message on you know find us on social mental tr plan. I I would love to hear more about that. Um, but just, you know, there, there've been, there've been times where, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a pissy mood or whatever at practice and you come over and you're just bouncing around and happy and you know, whatever. And it's like being around that sort of attitude, it rubs off on you and, and you can't help, but be influenced by that over a period of time. Um, and, and I think, you know, the, it's going to give me a better chance like that, that's always, that's all I, how I've always felt like as a play caller on, on Friday nights, it's like, you know, there's things that I'm irritated about. There's things that kids do that are stupid. There's, you know, quarterback throws an interception and it was a terrible read. It was a terrible decision. He didn't have his eyes in the right place. His feet were wrong. Like there's all these things that I want to scream sometimes but it's like that that's not going to give us the best chance for success moving forward. And so it's not it's not I'm just sweeping it under the rug. It's not we're never going to address it. It's not I'm okay with mediocrity. It's not it's not any of those things. It's the conscious decision that the best way for us to move forward most effectively and most efficiently is going to be let's stay positive in the moment. Let's not yell and scream and get down on each other. Let's fix it later. And and there is that fine line, I think, with that, Ben, because there are, it, it can come off as, like in that example, you're talking about something disaster happens in a football game or, or whatever it is. And uh, if you're not like just sulking and mad at the kid or, or showing that emotion, it could come off to, the, you know, fans or other players as, well, Maybe you just maybe he doesn't care all that much uh, because that was a huge thing that just happened, and you should be pissed about what happened. Uh, but I, I think you're right. There's a time to address it, um, and then the next day in film, yeah, you we tear into them, um, and you get that addressed maybe at halftime or whatever it is. But in the moment, that doesn't always make it better. Now there are some players. I will say there are some players where you can tear into them, and it it flips a switch and they go. I, but I think that's very few and far yeah. between. Um, because like we're saying, the past is in the past. Um, getting on a kid about that's not going to really impact that what's coming up, unless it is an effort thing. Um, yeah. I think in an effort thing, that absolutely. But again, it's like we talked about a few weeks ago. You got to know the kids. You got to know um, your athletes and the relationships with them. Some kids, you can tear into them. Some of them... Um, you cannot. Uh, but, you know, one, one thing that when you're saying that about, you know, coming out to practice and kind of being down, it made me think about um, 
in college, I had uh, another linebacker, um, Jordan Bradford, and he, him and I, every day before practice, um, we get in our warm up lines, and I would headbutt him, and I would say, "You pumped," and he would be like, "No, he was, <laughs> he's, he's like, he he listens to our podcast, so he'll be pumped about this," and I'd be like, "Are you pumped?" He'd be like, "No," but it was just kind of like, okay. Like it's time for practice. And yeah. it's kind of like that fake it till you make it. And we, we even joked about it. Like when we were on the phone here recently, but Hey, you pumped and like, all right, yeah, let's like get into it. And it was kind of just sometimes, you know, that, that I knew was like a, a role of mine help, you know, getting guys ready to go. Um, and, and it's contagious, right? Um, positivity is contagious just as much as negativity is contagious. I just heard a, a sports reporter here in Indianapolis he said it is um, one person in a locker room complaining is the equivalent of three because when one person's complaining in a locker room, it's never him by himself. Yeah. He always brings two or more people with him and it always opens up other people to complain. So one is equal to three and that adds up quick. Uh, positivity or negativity, it's, it's contagious. Yeah, I like that. And p- people, enjoy, people enjoy being around other people who are positive people enjoy being around people that when you leave that interaction with them, you feel better. Your, your mood has lifted, but at the same time, you know, there's also, there's also like, you know, just thinking back to some of the coaches that I've worked with, some of the players that I've been around, you know, even back to like my playing days, like there's sometimes the kid who's just overly, always positive, like to the point where he's oblivious to the fact that terrible things are actually happening and, and that it can, you can't fall into that. Right. Um, there's, you know, there's the, the people that try to be optimistic and they try to put on a smiley face and they try to fake it till they make it. But then one little tiny bad thing happens and they just crumble. And now it's like, then they go from one extreme to the other extreme. And then it's almost worse because it's like, they're so inconsistent and they're so unpredictable that you don't know what you're going to get. And like, that's almost worse. So it's like, but if you can be that positive force and you can somehow choose every day to genuinely go after that and chase after that positivity and prime that RAS and, you know, the, whether that's with a gratitude journal, whether that's with some mindfulness or, you know, whatever, I think, man, it's so incredibly powerful. And I do think if, for those of you out there, if you're listening to this, you're, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try this out. Uh, I do think it's important to talk to the people around and just say, hey, I'm trying this. Uh, and it's not going to be great. There might be moments when I am uh, feeling good and, and all this positivity. Something happens and, and I take you know three steps back. But I'm, I'm trying so that they understand and that they, they understand you're being vulnerable with them saying, hey, I'm working to just be better, be more positive, uh, because greater things come from those that are positive than those that just sit there in negativity and sulk. And so I'm going to work to get to that, uh, but it's not going to be perfect. And, and I do think that's important to address, you know, with those around you if you are working towards it. Love it. All right, Zekers, you've uh, okay. you answered this pretty well. Well done. Thank you. Hey, and side note, we've talked about it. Uh, 
you know, really it's just, it's just for content. Only reason I'm doing this is for content. Uh, signed up for another marathon. I thought Ben and I <laughs> yeah. were getting short. There we go. We're getting short. What we're going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> let's just go through some misery, sign up for another, um, marathon, but this one's going to be pretty cool. It is, uh, a world marathon. And so there are six world marathons and one happens to be pretty close to us in Chicago. So I'm going to be running in the Chicago marathon, which is actually not until next October and uh, be a little bit different because this one's in October. It's going to be summer training versus the winter training. So the good news is, is there's no ice for me to slip and fall on (laughs) and have blood down my legs. Uh, and it is actually for uh, with the, with the Chicago Marathon. For those listeners that are familiar, you can you can choose the route to go um, through charity, and you raise funds for a charity, and then uh, that's your sponsorship into the um, and your fees into the race. And so I'll be doing that with the National Down Syndrome uh, Society, and so I'll be raising funds for that. Uh, to get my ticket to get into the race. Uh, we'll talk more about it. I know in the coming months, been on here and uh, excited for it. And, and I do enjoy sharing about it, the feedback we get, because there is so many things that come through um, with running a marathon and, and not just run the marathon, but the challenges like we had when we had Matt Comer on here and just putting your body through hard things, um, doing hard things and mentally what the, it's, it's all mental. It's all mental. Like with Ben, the challenges that you've done for yourself, all mental. Everything's just, if you can get yourself right mentally, you can go do whatever the heck you want. And so that's what's fun with these. Uh, excited to share more on it. Um, so that's what we have uh, coming up. That's awesome. And, and if anyone out there is interested in supporting Isaac's fundraiser events, we are going to toss the link in the show notes. So feel free to click on that. Would love for you to to support him, um, but more importantly, support such a great cause. So I've been thinking uh, about what, what am I going to put you on the spot about? What are we going to talk about power um, or the, I guess the benefits of unity? Um, not not necessarily a team, um, but working together. We've talked about the benefits of being in the weight room with your teammates and, and something that I have like in my marathon training, I ran, I mean, for six months, four days a week uh, for six months. That's a bunch of runs. I did two of my runs the last, my last marathon with somebody else. Uh, And part of that's just scheduling. Not too many people are willing to get up and meet at 430 in the morning to go run. Uh, But I never, I really, I've never, ever ran with other people. Um, and now I'm in a stage where like when I go to work out and lift weights, it's on my own because it's, again, it fits in my schedule. But I know that there are the benefits of doing things in a group. Um, out here where you live, Ben, you see flocks of people riding bikes together. Like um, 30 to 70 yes, at a time. To where you cannot pass them and you are stuck behind them forever. I mean, you would assume, why are they doing that? There has to be benefit within them riding together. Mentally, why do you think that is? What benefits come from that? Man, that's a that that's a fantastic question. You know, just from like timing perspective, where we're recording this, our uh, our high school season that that we're coaching unfortunately came to an end a little bit earlier than we were hoping. And you know, now we're starting to have conversations with some of the some of the younger guys, the returning seniors, returning juniors that are now you know stepping up to be upperclassmen about the importance of changing the weight room culture to do it 
together. And, you know, it's, it's tough because we are in an era of specialization, right? And like, I'll be the first to admit that I think there's a lot of benefit to an athlete who is struggling with something in the mental side of their game, going and getting help. Someone, an athlete who's struggling in the physical side of their game due to an injury, going and doing the rehab stuff on their own. But when it comes to like the strength and conditioning portion of it, especially in a, in a setting like, you know, a football team, I think it's incredibly important to do it together. Like you brought up. And and I would even say, you know, Josh Bryant is, is doing this same thing with the boys and girls golf at Westfield high school. And you know, that you could argue that, well, that's not really a team sport, but there's, there's so much benefit in it that he says, this is how we're going to do it. Um, one of the, we talked about this one of the weeks that we were playing a team that was better than us, um, about, you know, the power of multiplication, the power of, you know, when, take this, take this gigantic man who's bigger than everyone on our team playing running back who, who has the ability to one at a time line up and go down, down the line and stiff arm every single player on our team to the ground. And probably with the exception of one or two guys make it into the end zone. Right. But all of a sudden you get somebody on his legs, somebody punching at the ball, somebody knocking him off balance, somebody coming in and smoking him from the side, like he doesn't stand a chance. And so the, you know, the power of multiplication um, is one of those things that, that I like to point out, you know, a draft horse on its own can pull 8,000 pounds. And so you would think that, you know, two of these horses would be able to pull, 16,000 pounds. Right. You, you would assume they can pull like 16,000 when in reality they can pull 24,000 pounds. And when it's two horses that have worked together and trained together, they can pull up to 32,000 pounds, which is incredible, right? Like that's, I mean, that's, we're talking like four times you, you pair these two horses up. That's like having four horses pull individually. Like that's incredible. Um, and that's where I think the, you know, the law of multiplication starts to show up a little bit. Um, I do think that there's an accountability piece. Like you said, it's difficult to, to want to go train for a marathon at four o'clock in the morning. Hence the reason I don't train for marathons. (laughs) Um, but when you commit to it, and you commit to it with someone else and there's other people that are counting on you being there. It's a little bit easier. You know, those, those six o'clock, those 6am workouts that we did when I was playing football at Wabash, when five of you are getting up out of bed and you're waiting on one guy and everybody's like, come on, dude, get your butt up. Like it's easier. Right. So there, there's some other people there. Um, you know, I, I think like, think about the Navy SEALs, it builds trust. Like it, it's, it's one of those things where you go through difficult times and you know, the, the episode you run a marathon outstanding, the episode Comer rim to rim to rim outstanding. And those individual feats 
are incredible and show to you guys that you can in fact do hard things. But now all of a sudden add in, you have multiple guys that are going through this shared experience together. Now, not only do they know that they can do hard things, but they know their teammate can do hard things. And when the game's on the line, they're not going to quit. And they've gone through difficult times together. And they saw, hey, even when it's hard, Jimmy and Johnny are still going to fight because this is important to them. And that, you know, that gives you, that stiffens your spine a little bit. That gives you a little more, a little more energy, a little more bounce in your step, a little more confidence. Um, so, I, you know, and then it also, then you get into a whole, a whole nother conversation of a chance to build leadership, right? Like now you have a chance. It's not just the coach is telling you, Hey, I want you to do this. But now, you know, you've got, we talk all the time. If we have seniors that are calling people out when they're not finishing through the line and their teammates and their peers are saying, that's not good enough. That's unacceptable. I don't care if the coach was on the other side of the field. You didn't finish that the right way. And that's not how we do things around here. Now, all of a sudden, like you're, you're changing the whole character and, you know, the, the whole, the whole face of what the, the program expectations are. Well, I think uh, very interesting the the answer you're giving, like, so we're talking about like in a weight room, right? Um, for, for just this example right here, um, and the, the benefit of being together. Well, all, everything you said is excellent, but nothing was said about the weight that you're moving there in the weight room. I think, um, we've always talked and we've always pushed with our kids. We compete in anything and everything that you're doing. And so if I see you and you're bench pressing this, well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do that and more like they just a the competition side of pushing one another. Um, and, and we've all, we all feed off of, um, just positive reinforcement and, and just reinforcement in general. And so if I'm struggling on the, on a squat and I got my teammates over there yelling at me and pushing me to do more and more and more, well, then I'm going, I'm going to naturally just, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be stronger um, because of it. You talked about all these excellent things that aren't um, specific to the weight room and like why you're there of getting strong. And now the reasons we are there is kind of the stuff that you have just mentioned, um, building all that trust, building all that leadership, uh, and just doing hard things, pushing each other to do more. I, I would think I don't have numbers for it, but I would think, or, or research for it, but going off and, and doing some of that stuff on your own, uh, I think is okay. And like you said, the rehab, or maybe maybe position specific stuff, but the majority of your training should be with your team uh, because that's what like I don't know seventy five eighty percent of your training should be with your team all together, and then maybe you go once or twice a night and you go do some specific training. Um, individually with somebody, but that shouldn't be the majority of it uh, because you don't get the benefits, like you're saying, of knowing, uh, in our in our example with football, knowing in the fall that y- your brother's going to be there because you've been with them all the way through. Um, and I think that that's some of the main, I remember talking with our college coaches, why are we, why are we practicing at 6 a.m.? Like, we knew that the facilities were open later on in the day. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? This is, you know, this yeah. is dumb. And just like you said, part of it is because you're doing something hard and you're doing something that sucks with your teammates. 
And so that br- that brings people together. And I remember, I remember vividly. I, I think about it, you know, every every time we're talking about like morning workouts, my roommate and I walking through the snow. They'd canceled school uh, for the for the surrounding high schools. I think they maybe even had canceled classes for the day, which very rarely happens in a college. And we were walk. We still had our six a.m. workouts, and I remember stepping in some drifts of snow up above our, my knee and my head down. I'm like, "This just sucks." And but I, I I just specifically remember that, and we still got there for the workout. You still you go through it. It was terrible, but you're with your brothers, you're with your teammates, and and you grow stronger because of that. And you have not heard this yet because. <laughs> I recorded it earlier today while you were at school, and it literally hasn't even published yet. Um, but by the time listeners are listening to this, the previous episode, Steve talked about you know the the competition and cooperation of Navy SEALs and how they are committing to going as hard as they possibly can because they know what benefit that'll have on those around them. You know, we talk about it like in season. When, you know, not saying, hey, I'll, I'll go easy on this one, you know, you go easy on this one too. But, you know, rather deciding ahead of time that your brother is so important to you that you are going to go as hard as you possibly can, not just for you, but also to push the other people around you. Um, and you know, I, I just, that's, that's something that, that resonates with me. And, and to be honest, like my mind didn't even think to go where, where you were talking about, like you, you can get stronger. Absolutely. You, you should absolutely be able to do more when you see, oh, so-and-so was lifting this much and, oh man, you know, I, I'm trying to compete with them for that spot. And we're, you know, cooperatively, we're trying to make our team the best we can be like, you know, let, let's get after it. And oh, why so-and-so, you know, only have 25 on each side. Like you should be, you should be bumping up that weight, my man. Uh, you know, I, I, I like that. And I think if, if maybe you are somebody that you, you work out well by yourself, um, and, well, if you're playing a team sport, you're going to be out there with your team. So you need to be you need to be working out with your team. And if you're doing great by yourself, excellent. Go work out with your team, and then the people around you will feed off of you. Maybe you don't get the benefits uh, for whatever reason. Like I, I don't get a lot from working out with the rest of my team. Maybe you don't. But if you're that great of a worker, that it, it sounds like you would be explaining that you you think, well, I, I can work out as hard as possible all by myself. Great, then your work ethic will pull all those other kids up, um, and so you 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 need to be there uh, if you're playing a team sport. And like you said, even like in golf, uh, making it a team sport because when when groups of people come together, it just it, it rises right. High tide rises all boats. It, it makes everybody better, uh, and so I think that that's that. It, that's something that's been on my mind. We've just recently talked about it, uh, and just the mental side, the benefits that come from working with somebody else. I was trying as you were talking to just like quickly find you know some scholarly article um, on on Google Scholar, and I I couldn't find anything necessarily that talked specifically about this, but. You know, there was a study that when someone had a partner, there was a 
5% boost in weight loss. So, you know, I would assume that if we can say statistically that having a workout partner Mm -hmm. will help you burn, you know, 5% more calories, I would assume transfer that now into a strength and conditioning program that you could assume you would be able to lift more. Even beyond that, there was a 20% increase in the chances of staying with a weight loss program when you had a partner. And then even beyond that, exercising as part of a team increased that percentage 42%. And so, you know, that, that to me is astounding. And and like you said, if you really are the best worker on the team, well, shouldn't you be then leading those around you and bringing them with you um, so that, you know, you guys can accomplish great things together. Uh, So, you know, I, Again, I don't necessarily have the numbers to to back it up, but I, I can say without a doubt um, that that it's something that's important and that that unity needs to be built. I think kind of to wrap up, Ben, back to kind of where we started at um, and what I know of right now with with marathons. Um, part of why people love marathons is because it's like this community uh, event and where no matter where you're running, like people are cheering you on and, and you get that boost of adrenaline when you're dead tired, but there's these random people going bonkers cheering for you. Cause you're doing something hard. They're cheering you on. You get this shot of adrenaline and it makes it easier for a time. Uh, and I think that that that's, that's in a nutshell what it is working with a group. If you're in the weight room and someone and cheering you on or whatever you're doing, having that partner to kind of push you on kind of goes back to that positivity kind of wraps all of this up from today. Uh, finding the positivity, finding some good to, to feed into somebody, to make them better, uh, to not just make them better, to make you better than to make your team better, uh, to have a greater success, to be stronger, to have more fun, to find the good, Um, and what it might be. Love that. And if you found any of this helpful, hopefully you can share this with somebody else that you think might benefit from it. Um, As always, if you want to learn more, check out mentaltrainingplan.com or hit us up on social media, Mental TR Plan. And until next time, make your plan and put it to work.